Hey, Doug, we're on Hollywood Boulevard now. That's right. Back in the present tense. Exactly. Hello, 2014. 19. 19. Thank you. 19. Thank That's you. where we are. Thank you. Thank you. <gasps> forgive me. Uh, forgive me for forgetting. Um, okay. What are we talking about? Well, we're we're going to have some TV time. I love TV um, time. I would like to talk, and not too long, but it seems very appropriate for this podcast that um, – and hello, listeners. Welcome. I don't know if I said that. But uh, so there's a new iteration of the 90210 franchise. And <laughs> and I watched it. Now, I only watched I'm going to I watched it, too. I only watched I only got was able to watch and I didn't stop because I wasn't necessarily enjoying it. I stopped because I just ran out of time. Um I've only seen half of the first episode, so I'm going to be relying on you a little bit, um, because I know you've seen two. Well, technically, I've seen one and the beginning of a second, because the my DVR didn't really record it well, and I didn't have time to watch the second episode. But what I'm going to say is, I'm really not that into watching the next couple episodes. So that's sort of my verdict on, on this new thing, but I did watch all of the first episode. Okay. Interesting because I'm kind of digging the conceit. The conceit to me is a little confusing. Did you ever watch episodes with Matt LeBlanc on Showtime? No. It's kind of doing that same meta thing that episodes did where everyone is playing fake versions of themselves as celebrities who are on 90210, but the the histories and the personalities that they're playing with are, like, combinations of, like, things that we know to be true and things that are not true, but amped up and to be funnier and more entertaining. Uh, and I just don't know how much mileage they can really get out of this. That's this- what I was wondering. And I think it's only six episodes. I hope so. so. They're not trying to get too much mileage. Um, And I guess I really do have to keep watching because of those who've been reunited, which is pretty much everyone but Tiffany Amber Thiessen, the one we don't see much of is Shannon Doherty, who there is more of coming. So I guess I will be watching more. Yeah. So the idea is that we're just following the actors being themselves as they sort of do. And again, I've only seen this. They're, they're in Las Vegas doing this um, reunion special, I guess, in Vegas. Like a panel. Like yeah, a panel, almost like, like Paley Center would have the panels. Right. Um, so I don't, I mean, I assume they're getting out of Vegas um, and this will continue. And so without that sort of like wrapping of having to get together because of the Paley Center, I'm not sure where like this Paley Center-esque thing I'm not sure how they're going to sort of keep this going. Yeah, I don't know either. But but essentially what happens by the end of that second, second half of that episode is that all of their lives are kind of at crossroads. And so Tori decides they should go back and f- film a new version of 90210 with their 40 and 50-year-old versions of themselves playing the teen characters again. See, that's what I thought they that, that's what I thought this whole thing was. That's what I thought it was going to be at first too. But now it's this meta thing. It's a wink wink thing, yeah. 
And I'm not sure if I would have enjoyed, I think I would have enjoyed 90210, the 40s years, um, the, the middle age years better than this, but I'm kind of intrigued and find this really kind of funny. It's funny, but not funny enough. The uh, One of the things I give it credit for is how, because Tori Spelling was basically the the one who pitched it, or her camp. Um, I'm kind of impressed with how self-aware she is. Yes. How she, or as they've written her, um, like she's actually getting made fun of for things like all of the kids she's had and how she has no money because... Her dad, Aaron Spelling, didn't leave her that much, which is like usually you would not include that stuff in the shows because they make you look bad. Um, and she's willing to kind of make herself look bad and dippy. Um, and I mean, she's still not good, but, but it's interesting that they've actually gone that far. Whereas, I know, you know, like everyone else is like Jenny Garth on the show. Her character is in, uh, undergoing a new divorce from – uh, a fake husband that this is not what Jenny Garth is really enjoying. And um, Jason Priestley in this show is married to someone who is his publicist, which is not what the real Jason Priestley is doing. And Jason Priestley and Jenny Garth have an affair in the first episode of the show, which is not something real Jenny Garth or Jason Priestley presumably are doing stuff like that. Also Gabrielle Carteris is back and they are now having her as like a six year old discovering she might actually be a lesbian, which is presumably something Gabrielle Carteris in real life is not doing. Um, so I'm curious as to what the like the back and forth is going to be between the new 90210 reboot series within the show and the stuff where their actors are playing fake versions of themselves outside of the reboot. Um, my guess is it's going to be diminishing returns. The fact that I didn't just bother to watch the rest of the second episode somehow um, when my DVR conked out with it. I think is kind of telling because I don't know if you know this fans of the Melrose Place podcast back on the block, but I'm a fan of Aaron Spelling shows. Um, so we'll see. I'm already talking more about the show than I thought I would. Yeah, it's funny. These these reboots, because now this is the second time they've tried to reboot some iteration of 90210 um, and Melrose has only been attempted once. And these reboots are just not working. No, it's the, like, the first 90210 reboot, which was like really exciting for me when it initially came back, that was basically them 10 years later. There was no meta anything. It was just Kelly Taylor was back and Brenda Walsh was back. And this is where they were. And this is where the younger people in the high school were. Um, so it was totally different. The, the, the Melrose Place reboot that followed was very abortive. It was very bad. Um you will never see a Melrose Place reboot comparable to the new 90210 called the BH 90210 um, because I think all the actors kind of hate each other and want no association with the series. <laughs> I can see that. But I think that, um, you know, I just think that it's telling that they can't. This is, I feel like these two series are series that are, you just can't reboot. I think they're products of their time. Yep. I think that audience is not evergreen. I think that audience is not um, multi generational. I just don't think people care. Yep, I would agree. I would agree. 
I th- and I think you eventually dilute what was special about them in their moment if you continually try and like cannibalize off of it. Correct. But we'll see. I do think uh, my beloved told me that the second episode was down like 40% of its audience already from episode one, episode two. Not surprised. Also, I do think Fox has not done a ton of promotion for it. So I think even they are just trying to burn these off in the end of summer. Right. Well, you know, hey, new season coming up. If any of you fans, if any of you listeners are watching, uh, let us know what you think. And as the these six or however many episodes there are keep playing out, um, let us know if you think they're working. So uh, that you can let us know on uh, Back on the Block Pod on Facebook. And now we're going to talk about some really good TV. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say this is probably the show I've been most impressed by and excited about over anything I've seen on TV in the last year. At least from a drama series standpoint. It is so good. So, Karen, what are we talking about? We are talking about Succession. Succession! A show that we both caught up to as the new, the second season was about to get up. Yes. And so now, I guess last night they aired the second um, episode in the second season, which I have not seen yet. Did you catch that one or not yet? Almost, but not the full thing. So I've seen like 40 minutes of it. Okay. So I'm, I am close to caught up. Anyway, and, yeah. Well, you, you you go ahead. You started watching it fairly recently with with a little HBO Blitz you were doing. Yes, this summer. yes. I'm doing my, my summer HBO Blitz. Um, I have been enjoying Succession. And um, yeah, I mean, it's basically loosely modeled on the Murdoch family. You loosely, but but it's also generally just about like enormous amount, like a very privileged family in New York. It's sort of like about a family dynasty, and they just so happen to make a lot of money in uh, media, uh, and and and, and they're very very right wing. Um, or the dad is the dad is the dad is. Although I wouldn't say that he's necessarily right wing so much as he's. In it for himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think he has any loyalties anywhere. Anyway, he Fair. is played by um, the phenomenal Brian Cox, yeah. um, who this role is just spectacular for him. Yeah, and I think it's to his credit because uh, going into the show, I probably thought he had a bit more of a role. I think the character, the patriarch he plays, Logan Roy, is truly a supporting role. And I'm going to talk about several of the other performers uh momentarily but but brian cox is uh, or, or logan roy his character is always on your mind you feel him throughout every scene of the show even though he's only in one to two sometimes three per episode and it's an hour-long show like that is the weight that he carries and that is the effect of the character on the show uh i think we're gonna see i do, yes in the um for, in the first season um, the second season, again, only the first episode, he was in a lot more scenes This in that first se- yeah. in the first episode. And I think we're going to see more of him. Um, I, I, I know we're going to see more of him. Okay. Uh, because of a little bird told me. Well, can we talk about the little bird briefly? Uh, well, sure. I mean, just that um, the role was, you know, obviously the first season – uh, sort of what launches the se- the series in the first season is that this larger than life man who who owns and runs and is sort of like 
the, 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 the head, the spokesperson, the figurehead of this multinational billion dollar company, Logan Roy has a stroke and it looks like he's not going to make it. And there is a question of who is going to be his successor. And he's got uh, three sons and one daughter and a, and a sort of like <laughs> near do well nephew. Um, the nephew is the best part. The we'll nephew talk- is the best part. And, uh, and so, so Brian Cox, the actor spent much of the first season kind of in bed, you know, and, and sort of like in a coma. And so, so a lot was happening around him, but now as we go, we're going to the second season and he has recovered, um, I, you know, I've, I've been told that he's got, you know, like he's, he's got more to do and in this in this season because he's no longer like, you know, tethered to, you know, an oxygen tank. Right. Well, I mean, just to clarify slightly, like he's mostly incapacitated for like the second and third, maybe some of the fourth episode out of the 10. So like you do get a good amount of Brian Cox. I don't want to make it sound like he's barely in season one, but yes, it does make sense that we will see him more in this new season. Um, but you do see him flex his muscles considerably, and it doesn't take much for him to change the texture of an entire scene. With one look, with no dialogue, he can do it. Yeah, it's funny. I, you know, I worked with um, Brian for years, and um, there was a scene in the first, in season two, episode one, where the whole family is in the country, is at this, Hamp- their, I guess it's their Hamptons it's house. house. Yeah, and so he's having it at, like, and it's like this big family meeting where he has to pick a successor, and, you know, and, and the kids are like, all his kids are sort of sniping at each other and fighting amongst each other. And, and he just like gives them this withering look and, and, and he walks out of the room and I lost my shit. I was laughing so hard. And I looked at my husband and I was like, I have been on the receiving end of that look <laughs> so many times. <laughs> I'm like, I know that look. Um, so that was always, that's great fun. I, I love watching Brian on screen, you know, and cause it's, it's, it's really cool. I mean, he's just wonderful to watch. Um, yeah, he is. He's truly amazing. And yeah, so, so listeners, Karen worked with Brian Cox for, a good spell going back a bit right yeah a decade yeah. yeah um and so and i always thought i've known this for a long time but i always thought that was very cool because he's tr- one of like the truly great uncompromising uh sort of actors we have moving back and forth from one medium to another um so so yes he is great um but i wanted to talk about some of the other members of this tv family that i think are so great and i will there's Three I want to mention. So if I don't hit any of the ones you want to talk about, throw them out there too. But first and foremost for me is Jeremy Strong as his son, Kendall. Ken, yes, he's really uh, phenomenal. I mean, the role is phenomenal. They're all wonderful. They're all, I mean, they're, they're all, all so good. The roles, yeah, they are, they are all great. And... Um, it's filmed in New York, so you get a lot of actors that come from theater and strong acting training. Um, and, and Jeremy Strong does. I've seen him in a bunch of shows, and I believe he's a Yale alum. Um, and he is doing the kind of acting that I've mentioned before throughout this podcast that, like, people continuously forget to realize is excellent because it looks so easy and natural. 
Um, like a lot of the characters on the show are kind of morally repugnant, but they're also very identifiably real. Right. And Kendall is just such a wayward dick of a guy that you don't even realize how intense the work Jeremy Strong is doing, how committed he is to it. Like, cause it doesn't, it's not histrionic. Like it is just so deeply rooted and, and well-played it's astonishing and so consistent from start to finish. Um, I mean, I will, as we get a little bit closer, probably to the Emmy awards, talk a bit more about the shows that have been nominated succession. The series is one of eight outstanding drama nominees, but that list in general is like a like a list of like honorable mentions at best aside from succession and it got no acting nominations which i was shocked i was shocked i was absolutely shocked ridiculous really and 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 wrong um but but they're also largely unknown to i think a lot of the la nominators and voters Uh I don't know. I mean, Brian already has an Emmy. They, they I know his I work. I, Brian was the one I really thought could get in, but I think like the actors who play the kids, it, I wasn't totally shocked they didn't get in because they don't have huge campaigns going on for them. I think because HBO, well, I think HBO also wanted like it's the last hurrah for Game of Thrones. They, Maybe they, they didn't Game of Thrones and also Barry, and that was it yeah. um, for the drama and comedy respectively. But um, but the acting is just oh, it's so good. And Matthew McFadden, who is the boyfriend and eventual husband of Shiv, the one daughter in this dynasty, is like so crazy good. As far as I'm concerned, like talk about I mentioned transparency before. Like he's just such like a pathetic wannabe privileged prick oh he's so good at it he is really good and what's amazing is he was in a british series that i absolutely love called ripper street ripper street yeah and i didn't even recognize him in this and i still have to go back and look at the imdb because he is completely just completely transformed from one character to the other which is so cool to watch because sometimes you you sort of like you know, it's sort of like you, you see the character you know them best as playing, play acting in another series. And with him, it's like he's just transformational. Like you don't. Like, totally uh, chameleon like. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so he's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. And I think if you just step back, like from episode to episode, like, yeah, it, <laughs> there are like stories that that have like a beginning and end from one episode to another. But this show is in constant motion. I mean, like there's just like revolutions upon revolutions of what, like the different family members are thinking and plotting and reacting to and thinking about doing next. Like the storytelling never really stops, Um, which I can appreciate especially because we binged the whole thing in about three days um so i could really feel that um it is created by people that have worked on the movie in the loop and also the tv series veep and it shares that that kind of like um raunchy like um political maneuvering kind Mm -hmm. of thing where where, where a lot of the characters and the storytelling is very glib uh, and fast-paced. That's kind of how all of the, the characters are. 
Um, it's just it's just so slickly done. And so the third character I was going to talk about that we mentioned before is like the cousin Greg. This like way such a great played. character. So such a great character. Never, never for cheap laughs, but but he's clearly like comic relief for the show. By I think his name is Nicholas Braun. Yeah, um, I think he's an actor I've also seen in New York, though I can't say what off the top of my head. He's you know the character is really interesting because. He is sort of like the ne'er-do-well cousin, like you said. He was working as like, you know, a costume character in the theme park and he got like, like too loaded and barfed in his costume and barf was cut. Like this is our introduction to this guy, right? Yeah. And the barf is like coming out of his eye holes. And, and I mean, it was just, I, I, I was dying. It was so funny. But it turns out like his, his grandfather is Logan Roy's brother. Um, I guess politically they don't, they're, they're estranged. Um, I think in every way they're estranged. They're yes. estranged. Uh, the, the, uh, his grandfather lives in Canada. Um, and so, and, and so, but his mom is like, you have to go see your uncle because you need to like get a real job. And so like this stone or loser kid is like basically like knocking on the door of like the Park Avenue mansion and being like, "Hi, I'm 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 your nephew, and I need a job." And he just kind of falls into into an office job. Yeah, like he is such an egghead, but also seems to be crazy like a fox, mm-hmm. and yet has, and yet has never truly shown his hand. Yeah. Like it's never been even by the end of season one where I thought there might have been something where he was like, and I've got you all wrapped around my finger and you haven't even realized what you've been letting me do to you. We've still not gotten that. We've seen moments that might indicate that, but not really. And yet he's definitely like to some degree he's playing them and or letting them let them be played. Um But there's like so much more story still to tell there. And he's so hilarious. He's really wonderful. I mean, you know, it's definitely this sort of fish out of water character. Um, and it's really a joy to watch. Like, I'm just like thrilled when he comes on because I know it's going to be some good stuff. Yeah. You know, um, like when he procures Coke. Yeah. Oh my God. In Central Park for, and that was hilarious. Do you want me to take it back? I was. Like, you know, he's like, he's so naive, you know, he's got that. But sometimes I wonder, is he really this naive or is he playing That's it? it? That's it. You're left wondering. Yeah. Is, is he playing? Is he playing this family? You know, and, and and whatever the truth of the character turns out to be, he's got it all justified. Like he's played it so well. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's really spectacular. Um, can we, we also need to talk about Karen Culkin. Oh, of course. Yeah. Cause I think he's. Spectacular! I think I I feel like he should have had he should have been nominated for something. He is the one who got a Golden Globe nomination this past winter, and well deserved. I think that they should have put him up for the Emmy because he really deserves it. He's, you know, he's sort of the youngest son, and he's another one that's a colossal fuck up. Um, Yeah, they're all they're all fuck ups in different ways for all for all of their achievement and grandiosity. They're all fuck ups. Yeah. And so he's, he's the youngest and he's like, you know, he's, he can't keep up with Kendall, but he wants to be, he wants to be the one in charge. He wants to be, you know, he wants to be, but he can't do, like, he can't do it. He just can't can't do it. He can't really do it. And he also doesn't want people to see him wanting 
yeah. get that credit either. Yeah. Um, but he does want it. Um, and the, uh, the interesting thing for me also is there's so much that this show has not told us. There's so much basic information that they just never have bothered to fully explain. Um, in terms of the family relationships, like Alan Ruck is the the eldest son that Logan Roy had from his first marriage. Right. And the three kids are from a second marriage. And we have seen that ex-wife. She lives in England. England, right. And meanwhile, he's married to a third wife. Um, and But we don't know much. Like, I don't know how much older Alan Ruck is supposed to be than the younger kids. It's not, it's not clear exactly what all of their relationships are. Um, it's not clear the, um, the McFadden character of Tom that we mentioned married to Shiv. Um, it's not clear how he came into the fray. I mean, my theory is he married her or he dated her and that was eventually how he was, um, employed with the corporation. But, um, but we've not been told any of this they just sort of onboarded us and and we we're just on for the journey from here on but whereas every single other show in the universe is like so quick to tell us exactly where all the pieces came into right. place and 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 for how long that sort of thing this does not i mean they're, they're we're definitely getting like this slow drip of information you know what i mean like we find out Things. Yeah, we sort we 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 sort of find out that Alan Ruck uh, Connor his his girlfriend is a prostitute slash playwright slash playwright. <laughs> but it's like again, it was like this sort of thing that was thrown out there that like Roman made some sort of off color comment about right. it, and because it came from Roman, you thought that he was just, just being derogatory, being or derogatory, and then like three. Three episodes later, you find out, no, actually, he really did meet her because she was, he, he hired her and I guess fell in love with her. And now he's, she's like a kept woman. So that part of her being a prostitute actually was true. Um, you know, so, so you get this sort of weird little slow drip of information. Like, um, I, like it happened so quickly too. I don't even know if you remember this. Um, Marcia or Marcia, the, the Mar- new wife. Yeah. The, his, uh, Logan Roy's new wife or latest wife. Um, has adult kids. Yeah. Um, one of whom runs the empire in Europe or Germany or the Middle East. I can't remember where it is, but he, so, so, so I'm not quite like, we don't find out like when she came into the family and did her son get his role in the business as sort of like another like nepotism moment of nepotism or, you know, did he really deserve that role? It seemed like he might be smarter than the other. Yeah, Honestly, like he's probably more deserving than any of yeah. the, the biological kids. Yeah. And then you sort of also see, and this was in particular in, in the first season because she was caring for her husband who had a stroke. How much of her is like, how much is she influencing the business decisions? And, and they kind of allude to that or hint that that could be happening behind the scenes, which I think is super interesting. Yeah, no, there's a lot that, that has yet to be stenciled in. And which is one of the things I love about it because it's, these things are not not there, mm-hmm. but they're not putting the full spotlight on them. And they may—I don't think the intent is to ever 
um, necessarily do that, but you get intimations of a lot of these things. You're so, getting like a nice slow drip. Whereas like we were talking about with Melrose place, like they just like to do a lot of tell instead of show. And here, this is all show. And so yeah, this you're is, getting this very slow drip of information, but it, de- but it's done so well that like you're on board, even if you don't quite know what the relationships are yet. You, yeah. You know. I mean, totally on board. And I feel like, in the first couple episodes, I, I thought they were – they felt a little slow because there was a lot happening. And, and But I have to say, as I kept watching, the episodes kind of just flew by. Yeah. And uh, season one finale is amazing. Yeah. Um, and so I won't say anything yeah. about what happens, but, but um, like – fantastic writing and the acting is just uniformly great i will say this when that season one finale happened and at that point i was really rooting for kendall Mm. and then that moment like i was really rooting for him and then that thing happened which i'm not going to say what it is because i don't want to spoil it and i just like audibly gasped and i was like he can't do it now right he can't do it. It's, like he can't do it. He's it's his dad has this on him, and he's going back to that to the way things were. Yes, and so okay. Two other things in that same episode, there's an encounter between um, Kendall and Logan, Jeremy Strong versus uh, Brian Cox, and the stuff Jeremy Strong does in that scene, the way he's trying to talk to his father in a very awkward moment, is like instructional it's just so great but uh, but the other thing is yeah like you were saying with like some of the surprises that have happened it's like we have seen a lot of boardroom storylines and series that take place like in the world of big business and you know there's like maneuvering and and takeovers and stuff like that this show doesn't really pull punches in terms of like where the storylines go but there's always something that's like a, a little twist that's like oh i did not see that coming oh this was not how i thought it was going to play right. out xyz and it's like it's never cheap it's like always fully grounded in the real world i feel um which is also to its credit yeah this show is so fucking good it, it really is i mean like it's disappointing it's one of those shows that you're really disappointed when it's like it's over you know it's the episode's over or this, or this season is over and you don't have another one. No, and not true. Not only that, I can't remember the last time I thought that about a TV drama series. I would have to go back years. Yeah, because like, you know, and we caught up with it, I guess in July, we started watching it or end of June. And when it was like when we were done and we really kind of moved through them pretty quickly, I knew that this, the new season was coming up. So like, you know, can't cancel HBO yet. Um, and, mm-hmm. and like my husband was like, well, what, what we need to watch this again. Like, when's it coming back on? Like every single day it was like, when's it coming back on? When's it coming back on? <laughs> like it's that show. It's like that series where you're just like, I just want to keep watching this. Cause it is so right. good. Right. Exactly. No, it is. It, it, it's a brilliant marriage of, of like, everything at the the top of its craft the writing the directing the acting i mean like the editing and the set design and all of the cinematography it is all pristine yeah so everyone watch succession and then tell us all about it because it's that good guys it's so good yeah and like 
I don't want to be done talking about it. I want to keep talking about it. Okay, well, we'll so, just we'll just keep talking. Maybe we so should Karen do a discussion keep talking about it. You guys should talk to us about it. Yeah, talk to us about it because we love this. We love this series. Um. Yeah, that's the session. And if you're not watching it, damn it, you need to be. Right. It's not too late. These episodes exist. Oh, um, you know what? Can we just make mention of J. Smith Cameron? Who oh, yeah, because I love her and she's amazing. Is doing such extraordinary work. She's playing um, the, I guess, the in-house counsel, the lawyer. Um, uh-huh. She's one of the confidants. She's in a lot of episodes. Um, and she's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, no, she's and she's one that I've seen quite often on stage. And her husband is the playwright screenwriter Kenneth Lonergan, an Oscar-winning screenwriter, I'll say. Um, And and Ken Lonergan has um, worked with Kieran Culkin on several revivals of his works. So so Jay Smith and and Kieran are united because they've all got Ken Lonergan tied up. I forgot about that. And, uh, yeah, and speaking I have to say, he was such a revelation, Kieran Culkin. Well, he that role fits him like a glove. That that I don't know if it is the way Kieran Culkin is or not, but he wears that character with such such ease and comfort. It's perfect, you know. Because I never really thought much of like not that I I don't want to say I never thought much of him, but like I didn't really think about him necessarily as an actor. I always kind of forget that he exists. I mean, that sounds awful to say. But like you know, I just—he's just not that sort of the actor that you think about, the obvious actor, you know. You um, would never, no, you would never reach out for that name. Yeah, and he's and he's really phenomenal. He's yeah, really, really phenomenal. I'm trying to think, like, what have I, what have I even seen him in besides this? You know, I know I've seen him in. You, I mean, obviously, he's in the Home Alone movies, which you know that's a whole other podcast, Home Alone, but. Um, but he's the the cousin who wets the bed in Home Alone. Is he really? Yeah, I did not realize that. He's only like eighteen months younger or something than Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, I knew he was Macaulay's brother. I didn't realize that he was in the he was in Home Alone as the bed wetter kid. He's in, I guess, one and two. Um, he was also in. I mean, this was probably his first big deal part. Was Igby Goes Down in the early two thousands? Okay, which was an indie. Um, and I don't know. I think the other things I've seen him in have been on stage now, like, um, this is our youth, which is a Ken Lonergan show, which I think he's done like in Sydney and London and at Steppenwolf and stuff like that. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely not out there trying to be a star. He's out there like enjoying the acting. Yeah, well, good for him. And and speaking of theater and also Brian Cox, he will be in my neighborhood, in fact, recent, uh, coming up shortly um, in the play called The Great Society. Yes, he will be. Which is about uh, LBJ. Um, the first part was called All the Way that Brian Cranston did on stage and on HBO. And, and so now the mantle has uh, been passed on to... To, to Brian Cox. So I'm very much looking forward to, to seeing that, especially for him. So really guys, we're going to keep talking about succession and Brian Cox in the coming weeks. You might as well just watch everything and be a part of the conversation. Yes, please. 
Um, on that note, I think we may be taking a brief hiatus um, where we both have some some other things going on in the real world that, that makes the recording uh, uh, less than feasible. But it gives us more time to also catch up on some other stuff so that when we do return, uh, we have a lot to talk about. Having said that, if there's anything you want us to be extra attentive to, let us know on Back on the Block Pod and we can put it at the top of our list. Yes, um, but we will be back, if not the week after Labor Day holiday, it will definitely be the week after that. So, Exactly, which gives everyone who hasn't already done so plenty of time to watch Succession. Yeah, catch up with us. That's right. Well, Karen, it's been fun. It I has wish been. You everything in life. Thank you. Um, and you guys, thank you for hanging out with us. And um, sooner or later, we will see you again when we're back on Hollywood Boulevard. (laughs) Bye. Bye.